0: I can think of the actor James Dean, who died at 24. I can think of the musician Kurt Corbain, who, who died at 27. I can think of Princess Diana, who died, if we remember, at 36. And John Lennon at age 40. And now Kobe Bryant at 41. Billy Joel sang, Only the Good Die Young. And I believe that lyric emerged from the instinct that whenever we hear the news of a tragic death, we try to make sense of it. We try to conjure up a reason. We try to find an explanation. But as journalist Shea Shararo wrote this past week, you see, 1978-2020, under Kobe's name. And it makes no sense at all. It was only last Sunday that my son texted the word Kobe alongside a crying emoji. As lifelong Boston Celtics fans, the two of us had watched Kobe battle the the Celtics teams for the past 20 years. Although he often broke our hearts, we truly admired his skill and his work ethic. In our home, you'll find the the Mamba Mentality, a full-color coffee table book where Kobe describes his, his fastidious approach to every detail of the game of basketball. And after that text, between us over the coming hours and days, the two of us shared news back and forth how in that helicopter was also his 13-year-old daughter, Gianna, and they were flying, he to coach, and cheat to play in a travel basketball game. And over the past week or so, Brendan and I, we've continued to share posts and articles that attempted to to answer the the cause of this accident and, and try to make sense of the senseless, to find, in fact, if there was a reason if there is an explanation. Four weeks ago, as we began a new year, we launched a new series on what are called the, the, the 12 apostles and, and focusing on particular decisions that they made. And we discovered that while, yes, there is a, a book of the Bible called the Act of the Apostles, there, there actually isn't a lot of information about them in that book. To discover who the 12 were, we have to go back to the gospel. We began our series in John's gospel with the Apostle Andrew. We discovered how after meeting Jesus, he went to tell his, his brother Simon Peter and, and brought him to Jesus saying, we have found the Messiah. And that's the first decision we can make in this in new year to choose to come in the coming days and months to, to be like the Apostle Andrew to go to tell someone about Jesus and bring him to Jesus. Our next apostle was Nathaniel. We read how even though Jesus was miles away, he, he saw Nathaniel somehow and knew him by name. Discovering that Jesus knew him personally completely transformed Nathaniel's life. If you decided in this new year that Jesus... Truly knew you, how might that decision change your life? Last Sunday, we spent time with the Apostle Matthew and his singular focus on money as a toll collector. We considered how we are invited by Jesus at times to to quit things A, a bad habit, a relationship, a profession. So that we might not be pulled away, but follow Jesus. This morning we turn to our fourth apostle, Judas. I wonder what you know about Judas. The name comes from the Greek form of the Hebrew that comes from a verb to thank or to give praise. That's what the name Judas means in the Hebrew scriptures. There there is one, Judah, which comes from the name Judas, who was the fourth son of the Old Testament patriarch Jacob, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Judas Maccabeus, we remember, fought the Romans to regain control of the temple. In other words, while today that name might conjure up negative associations, in the time of Jesus, that was not the case at all. But Judas, one of the 12 apostles, changed all that. This week I read a helpful book about Judas by Peter Stanford who shares that in the United in the UK, a survey found that 21% of those who were questioned really had no clue what happened on Good Friday or Easter. 21% had no clue, something to do with rabbits was one response. But in the same survey, 55% identified Judas as the betrayer of Jesus. Maybe you've heard the phrase, betrayed by a kiss. You can see that on our bulletin cover this morning as, as Judas kisses Jesus. Judas shows up in the last temptation of Christ and in Jesus Christ Superstar And in both, there is this tension between understanding Judas as either a victim or a villain. In our first passage this morning from John's Gospel, we read how Jesus is in the the town of Bethany, where, where Lazarus and Mary and Martha live. Jesus, if you remember, raised Lazarus from the dead. And Jesus really loved this family. So Mary pours a pint of perfume over Jesus' feet as a sign of devotion or worship. But Judas, we read, staunchly objects and says, wasn't this, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. Which gives us a glimpse to the character of Judas. First of all, he's clearly not afraid to speak his mind. He's brazen enough to go against the flow, so to speak, against the ideas and actions of some of Jesus' favorite people. And although it's debated in scholarly circles, Judas also seems to place value on on caring for the poor. Therefore, he's offended at the waste of Mary's act. I wonder, do you know anyone like that? Not afraid to speak their mind. Willing to go against the flow. Someone who cares deeply about those who are in need and those who are poor. Now one of the things that occurs whenever a renowned person dies is people immediately try to understand what happened and to be blunt about it to discern what or who is to blame. And sometimes the culprit is obvious. Driving a Porsche 550 Spider over 100 miles an hour. Well, that killed James Dean. Kurt Corbain decided to kill himself. Many speculate it was paparazzi that killed Princess Diana. So what happened to Kobe and the Sikorsky S-76 helicopter on which he and, and eight other passengers were flying? A report described how the last message of the pilot to traffic control was he was climbing to avoid a cloud layer before then plunging more than a thousand feet into a hillside. So what happened? How can we make sense of the senseless? A few days ago, I read how Randy Waldman, a helicopter flight instructor, said a disoriented pilot has only a few moments to avoid a fatal dive. If you're flying visually, said Randy, and if you got caught in a situation where you can't see out the windshield, the life expectancy of the pilot and the aircraft is maybe 10 to 15 seconds. One of the first glimpses we have of Judas is he's not afraid to speak his mind. He's willing to go against the flow. He appears to care deeply about the poor. But then Judas makes a decision by which the world now defines him, and that is he chooses to betray Jesus. And there's debate as to why and how that happened. Peter Stanford observes that the Gospel of Mark, the, the most reliable historically since it was the first one written, names Judas straight away as a betrayer, but gives no plausible motive for going to the authorities. Luke and John, the third and fourth chronologically in the Gospel accounts, make him the tool of Satan. Matthew, however, has Judas demand money, inducing the idea of greed. And he adds this detail of the 30 pieces of silver or coins. Our second and third passages this morning are from Matthew's gospel. We read how, while Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was this large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them, writes Matthew. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. And going to Jesus, Judas says, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men seized Jesus and arrested him. Scholars know how Jesus doesn't say, do what you came for Satan, do what you came for betrayer, but do what you came for friend. In Greek, the word hetar can mean friend, but also colleague or my man. In Matthew's gospel, in other words, at this horrible moment of betrayal, Jesus is not hostile to Judas, but affirms their friendship. Later in Matthew, we read when Judas had betrayed him and saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized by remorse and returned those 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, the chief priest replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left and went away and hanged himself. This week, as I was reflecting on Judas' life, I wondered what had prompted him to move from being agitated over spilled perfume to betraying a friend. There had to be more to it, didn't there, than just spilled perfume. If you're flying visually, if you get caught in a situation where you can't see out the windshield, The life expectancy of the pilot and the aircraft is 10 to 15 seconds. When I read that insight, which attempted to make sense of a senseless death, I wondered if it might also present to us a clue as to why Judas made that decision. Meaning, if a trained pilot who can't see out of a windshield has only 10 to 15 seconds to choose to go beyond him or herself for clarity, to turn to the instruments rather than to rely on his or her failed human instincts metaphorically. Is that what happened to Judas? That somehow because of a personality unafraid to speak his mind, a willingness to go against the flow, a passion for the poor that caused a rift with others, perhaps his own greed or turning to the personification of evil. Because of all that, maybe Judas just couldn't see through his windshield anymore. And in the fog of all those emotions and events, rather than look beyond himself for clarity, rather than, for example, talking quietly to Jesus, turning to prayer, going to the temple. Whatever it took to clear his windshield, Judas decided to go with his instincts, which, like that helicopter pilot, led to tragedy. Last Sunday, we spoke how the impression the Apostle Matthew's decision made on Pope Francis. And this week I was fascinated to discover Pope Benedict. The predecessor to Pope Francis. Wrote about Judas. He said this. Scripture shows that the light. Shed by Jesus. Into Judas soul. Was not completely extinguished. He underscores. Note how Judas felt remorse. And retired, Tried to to return the money, he even said he had sinned. As Pope Benedict put it, everything pure and great that Judas had received from Jesus remained inscribed on his soul. He could not forget it. Meaning at the end of his life, perhaps Judas' windshield cleared. Even by the smallest amount. He could see clearly what he had done, the mistake he had made, that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. So may we all, I pray, in this new year, recognize at times our lives might fog over, our windshield might fail us. And it is during such times that indeed we are all in great peril For it is, then, we might have only seconds to decide to rely not on our flawed human instincts, but on something greater than ourselves. Uh, Sacred instruments that can guide us to safety. Clarity, for example, that, that emerges from prayer. Wisdom that is found in the context of worship and direction that arises from the reading of Scripture. And may that, indeed, in this new year, be our decision. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.